This is our number It's time for the fastest 15 minutes in the news. This is Dory's Fastest 15. Oh, it's a world of news in a tidy little 15-minute package just for you. Welcome to our Fastest 15. Coming up at 1.30 this afternoon. It's been uh, about two years late, but the networks like CBS are just discovering the Hunter Biden laptop story is true. And some of the stuff on it is really damning for the president. And I would not be at all surprised if the new GOP-led House launches impeachment inquiries because it now appears certain that Hunter Biden was working with foreign governments, some of them are enemies, and that on the laptop are notations to give 10% of what Hunter was getting to the BG, the big guy, which everybody knows was his nickname for Joe Biden. So after years of telling us he knew nothing about his son's international dealings, Joe Biden lied to win an election a year ago. And now even CBS News is coming around. It's just too bad these networks didn't do journalism before the election of 2020. They wait until after, and then they break their big stories. And they do it only after Joe Biden is thoroughly discredited as a president and uh, almost certain to not run again in two years. That's when they decide to do journalism. But we'll tell you that whole story coming up at 1.30 this afternoon. I wanted to get your feedback on something. I was talking yesterday with a longtime listener of the show, and she was telling me she's been taking the bus and the train into downtown Seattle for 20 years now. But things have gotten to a point where she's afraid it's just too dangerous because the Sound Transit police, they're not helping. They won't remove dangerous, mentally ill drug addicts from the trains. But there was something that Lynn told me in the conversation yesterday, and I, it, it really jumped out at me at the time. I even asked her because I wanted to make sure what I was hearing was co- correct. Let me play for you what your fellow listener Lynn said yesterday. And then I'd love for you to weigh in on this on our text line at 888-973-CAIRO, 888-973-5476. Here is what she said about riding the train from Northgate down towards downtown. Did you feel like you had some security in numbers at least? A little bit until I looked around and I saw it was mostly men. And I, I think that a lot of women react differently to these situations than men do unfortunately i don't know if it's i don't know what it is but they well, wait, the men... no, you're fascinating me with this so you think you're less safe on a train car filled with men yeah kind of wow. Just i kind of felt like they didn't want to get involved now that's fascinating to me and i'd love to hear especially from the ladies in our audience Do you agree with that? Because we've talked for a long time, for many, many years, about the wussification of the Northwest man. And it's not just Northwest. It's not just Seattle, King County, Puget Sound area. 
We're saying nationally, in attempt to demasculine men. In fact, we don't even have men anymore, and we don't have women. It's all on a spectrum, and none of it is real. But with that, I, I think we have probably more woke guys around here than many parts of the country. And with that, according to Lynn, comes a wimp factor. So, especially for the ladies listening right now, text me. If you were on a train car with somebody that is scary, you know, drug addict, a mentally ill person, would you feel more safe if your fellow passengers were mainly men or women? Because I was shocked when Lynn said yesterday she felt especially scared because the car was filled with men. So let me know what you think about this. Love to hear from the ladies. 888-97-3 Cairo. 888-97-3-5476. That's our text line. And just that with a little context. I want to play for you. This is in Baltimore area. There was a... Um, a, a trophy ceremony for 12- and 13-year-old football players. And right outside of the field on the parking lot, gunshots rang out. And a very brave 13-year-old boy, he saw an older guy, a man, uh, fall down. And the kid shields the man and is, like, telling him what to do to get away as the gunshots are ringing out. Uh, here's WRAL with the story. Trophies shine on a table on the 50-yard line. This is the moment that triumph turned to terror on the field and in the stands. One mom ducked for cover with her 10-year-old daughter. The fight or flight thing kind of kicked in and we huddled together to stay safe. We noticed the crowd coming from the parking lot back into the inside of the stadium. That parking lot is where police say a 41-year-old woman was shot. They believe it's an isolated incident. This was a senseless act of violence, and we will not tolerate this kind of behavior on our school campuses. But out of that violence... It, it didn't feel like we won a championship after what had happened. Mr. Weller, I got your phone! Run, Mr. Weller! Mr. Weller, get down! Bobby Holloman became Donald Weller's hero. He helped me up and got me to the fence and, you know, reminded me to stay low to the ground and just stay here. And, uh, you know, kind of made me feel a little more assured and, and calmed me down a little bit. The 13-year-old defensive back had his teachers back. I want to make sure. Okay. Now, I don't. none of us knows exactly how we would respond if we were in the midst of such madness. But does that... Teacher there, Nicole, sound like somebody that we wouldn't want, uh, you know, guiding our kids through a traumatic situation like this. Because the 13-year-old the took charge, and it's the teacher who had fallen down. And the kid says, stay down low, go run. And the teacher says, yeah, I don't know what I would have done. I know it's a little they're they're not making a big deal of that statement in this piece because it's more about the 13-year-old's reaction. Right, yeah. But... It was very troublesome <laughs> to hear. Yeah. I, I that does not sound good. Shouldn't shouldn't um, an adult 
have better instincts in a situation like this than a 13-year-old kid. But And this guy's a teacher. So if there's ever a crisis situation, is the teacher going to be able to take charge? I'm pretty sure or, they get trained, right? So he's had training on yeah, what to do. Yeah, they all have crisis mm-hmm. intervention training and that sort of thing. But, yeah, it just struck both Nicole and me that this was uncomfortably weird now, to have the grown man say that, that the 13-year-old had to calm him down, get him thinking straight. You have to listen to what the 13-year-old says, though. Yeah, we will. It, it didn't feel like we won a championship after the way it happened. Mr. Weller, I got your phone! Run, Mr. Weller! Mr. Weller, get down! Bobby Holloman became Donald Weller's hero. He helped me up and got me to the fence and, you know, reminded me to stay low to the ground and just stay here. And, uh, you know, kind of made me feel a little more assured and, and calmed me down a little bit. The 13-year-old defensive back had his teacher's back. I want to make sure everybody else was okay before I got down because that's right. I mean, in my in my book, that's right. What a great kid. Right? I want to make sure everybody else is all right before I take care of myself. And he even was shielding the teacher when the teacher, when they thought that there was still a possibility of gunshots. That's a great kid. I'd love to hear from that kid's parents that uh, his instincts in a situation like that, he's going to always make sure. Listen to this. I'm going to play it one more time. That gives me goosebumps to hear what this kid said there. The fence and, you know, reminded me to stay low to the ground and just stay here. And, uh, you know, kind of made me feel a little more assured and, and calmed me down a little bit. The 13-year-old defensive back had his teacher's back. I want to make sure everybody else was okay before I got down because that's right. I mean, in my, in my book, that's right. Wow. I'm going to make sure everybody else is okay before I got down because in my book, that's the right thing to do. That's a great kid there. I know. And Love can't it. you just picture, I'm sure his parents are not saying, hey, before you get to safety, make sure everybody else is. I'm sure that that's not exactly what his parents have told him because as parents, you're like, get get safe, right? Yeah. But I'm sure that's how they act. I'm sure that's his dad or his mom's way of thinking. Yeah. Making sure I mean, everybody's okay. Yeah, I mean, who knows if they've ever tried to prep them for something like this, but the fact that that's the kids' instincts, that's awesome. That's funny. But, but again, it's unnerving that the adult male teacher in that situation had to be comforted by the 13-year-old child. So that gets back to what Lynn was saying on the show yesterday, uh, that she feels safer on a train car filled with women. Oh, my gosh, we have hundreds of text messages on this. This is going to take forever to to sift through. From the 360, I live in Olympia. No way do I feel safer with men around here. I drive down to my hometown in the Lewis County area. I feel safer with men there. <laughs> I was just going to say, so my opinion on the, that would be uh, sort of the same. I sur- I'm surrounded with men. I feel confident would jump in to protect me as well if I called out or whatever. But on a train like that, I think that we're all just head down. Don't pay attention to things around you because we're so used to it being obnoxious on these modes of transportation now yeah so i i do agree that everybody's in their own bubble on trains and things like that and and i don't think that the people that ride the transit every day are used to keeping an eye out but do i know a lot of blue collar men and and people in the outskirts of 
King County and other counties that would right. look out for me. Well, that's I'm, that's I know hilarious. <laughs> the, the person who says in Olympia she'd feel safer around women, in Lewis County she'd feel safer around men. Exactly. Uh, I think there's a lot of truth to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, from two, 206, I'm male. I would feel much safer on a train car with women than men. Women tend to not let anything slip by and they get a little crazier than men do. Men tend to just forget about it because they don't like confrontation. Yeah, I, I think that's it. Especially like you were just saying, Nicole, if you're a daily transit rider, you have been, you've learned through experience to avert your eyes from everything. Don't make eye contact with anyone who might be crazy. Don't, don't intervene because you might get hurt. And this is, this is fascinating. I can't wait to go, and I will go through all the texts. I just don't have time while we're flying on the air here. But uh, keep them coming. Triple eight ninety seven three Cairo. Triple eight ninety seven three five four seven six. Because I think this is a problem in this region. I think we do have a wimpification of our men around here, and it's uh, it's it's just funny to hear people so. So out there with that opinion. All right. Up next in the fastest 15, oh, what woke politics gets you. You may recall a couple of years ago, Edmonds was going to hire their assistant police chief when the chief retired. And the assistant chief had been with the city for many years. Uh, He was great. Everybody liked him. Everybody thought he deserved the chief job. Except for the woke Edmond City Council. There was one huge problem with this great candidate for police chief in Edmonds. The man was white. And the head of the city council at the time, the council president, she said that they couldn't have a white police chief in Edmonds. And so they hired a guy named Sherman Pruitt. And the Edmond City Council confirmed him to be the chief. But then, a week later, they had to rescind the offer because they hadn't done a background check on the guy that they had just named police chief. They didn't know that uh, back in 2004, when the Seattle police hired this Pruitt guy as a cadet, he, three months into training, was terminated for failing to successfully complete the probationary period. When the DuPont police investigated him for threats allegedly made to the manager of a restaurant where his wife worked, that's when SPD terminated him. Uh, None of this information was included in the packet. All they knew was that he's a black candidate. And so they approved the guy. And you may remember at the time, the president of the Edmond City Council, Adrian Fraley-Manias, she said the reason Edmonds needed to have a black police chief. In this time for Edmonds, I think we could use Chief Pruitt. What do you mean by that at this time? Well, with all the racism in Edmonds and um, somebody who's, who's had that experience in their life, I think that's important. With all the racism in Edmonds, so the city council president at the time, She declared that her city was racist. And so that's why they couldn't hire a guy they knew. He'd been the the assistant chief, had been on the force for over a decade, I think 16 years or so. 
And he was the choice of almost everybody. But they decided that they could not hire a white guy to be police chief. And so they hired somebody whose background thoroughly disqualified him. Well, this is going to cost the taxpayers money, most likely, because the the black guy that they hired and then rescinded a week later, Sherman Pruitt, has now filed a legal claim against the city of Edmonds, which is the first step toward a lawsuit. And it looks like the race-obsessed Edmonds politicians, and I mean that was shocking at the time, when the city council president declared Edmonds to be such a racist city. I know Edmonds pretty well. You lived in Edmonds at the time, Nicole. I did. Was there anything about the city of Edmonds that you saw that was overtly racist? Not that I noticed. Remember, there were some, like, it seemed to be after that, people were looking for it everywhere, wherever they could, you know. Well, they set up a a race hotline, and they they told people, if you see any incidents of bias of any kind, call it in. And it was like, rat out, even if you have no confirmation. It could have been one business owner calling in about a rival business. And they just, but you go woke, you go broke. They became obsessed with race. They lost out on a great police chief. And they hired somebody whose background they decided within a week was disqualified. That's what woke politics gets you. And that is your Fastest 15. This has been the Fastest 15 Minutes in the News. Fast, 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 fast stories. Fastest 15. Your 15 minutes will give you the world. And coming up next, finally, it's a year and a half too late, two years too late, But the major networks are discovering the Hunter Biden laptop story. And it's looking bad for the big guy. That is coming up next. I don't know how people can trust our political system right now. In America, when you have 90% of the media lined up as a propaganda arm for one party. Uh, A couple of years ago, a lot of us were talking about the Hunter Biden laptop scandal. Hunter Biden had left a laptop in a repair shop. And it turns out there was lots of damning information on there that included his dealings with foreign governments how he got special access since his daddy was the vice president of the United States, and also that daddy was getting some kickbacks from these foreign governments. And it's a story that almost everybody in the media buried. Buried. The New York Post broke the story. Some independent journalists did some great reporting on this. But the major national networks, they absolutely ignored this story. And you may recall, back two years ago, when if the media had done its job, Joe Biden would not have won the presidency. And America would be in much better shape economically and at the southern border and in every way imaginable. Crime in America would be better. But the media decided to not do its job. And now CBS News... They have finally 
two years later, when Joe Biden is undoubtedly a lame duck because nobody thinks he's going to run again for president, and now is when CBS News decided to do a little journalism on this. These House Republican investigations are coming, and that could be a challenge for the White House as we head into 2023 and 2024. The laptop data we had analyzed showed no evidence it was faked or tampered with. Digital forensic investigation. Even notice the way they say that. The laptop uh, that we analyzed shows no evidence that it was fake. Another way to phrase the exact same thing would be, the laptop evidence we analyzed proves that it's true. All the stuff that has been said about Hunter Biden. But they decided to take the softer approach. No evidence that it was faked. Or tampered with. Digital forensic investigator Mark Lanterman was previously a member of a Secret Service Electronic Crimes Task Force. There was one thing that got my attention, and that was a voicemail. It's dad, I called to tell you I love you. love you more than the whole world, pal. Can I get some help? That voicemail, apparently from Joe. Okay, now that's touching. Uh, anguished father, his son's a drug addict, but his son's also running around the world. Uh, trading United States politics for cash, which is as criminal as it gets. I mean, I I understand the anguish in Joe Biden's voice, but that's also a father who is enabling his son to use the father's job as, at the time, vice president, to get access to countries, some of which are America's enemies. There was one thing that got my attention, and that was a voicemail. It's dad, I called and told you I love you. I love you more than the whole world, pal. Can I get some help? That voicemail, apparently from Joe Biden during his son Hunter's drug addiction, is one of many findings Lanterman used to authenticate what is believed to be Hunter Biden's laptop data. You're confident, based on your analysis, this is Hunter Biden's data and that it's real. Yes. Where were you two years ago, CBS, when the New York Post was being ridiculed for this exact same story? When people were getting deplatformed off of social media for reporting the exact same thing. But no, the networks ignored it because it would hurt their guy. And that's why I say it's tough to trust politics in America today when you have all the major networks, except for Fox News, lined up for the Democrat Party. And this is what could get Joe Biden impeached, a notation about kickbacks to Joe Biden. The laptop and its contents have fueled Republican interest in Hunter Biden's business ventures. Hunter Biden was working with Chinese nationals. They say this May 2017 email outlining a proposed business deal with a Chinese energy firm is one reason why they have questions about whether President Biden benefited. We're prepared to subpoena Hunter Biden. We would certainly hope that he would want to come before the committee and clear his name. Two of Hunter Biden's former business partners, including Tony Bobolinsky, who received the email, told CBS News the 10 held by H for the big guy is shorthand for 10% held by Hunter for his father. Wow. Wow. Hunter Biden negotiating with China energy firms, and there's a notation on his laptop that 10% of what he got was going to be held for the big guy, for Joe Biden. Now, Joe Biden has sworn 
for years that he had no knowledge of his son's international business dealings. And again, where was CBS two years ago when this information could have changed an election? Remember when Donald Trump went on with Leslie Stahl on 60 Minutes and Leslie Stahl insisted there was nothing to the Hunter laptop story? Take a look at what's going on last night. And then you say that shouldn't be discussed. I'm saying... It's the biggest scandal out there, Leslie. And you think it's the biggest issue to campaign on? I think it's this, I think it's one of the biggest scandals I've ever seen. And you don't cover it. Okay, and by the way, that's pretty fair to say. If the son of the vice president of the United States is negotiating with communist China energy companies and whatever money he gets, 10% of it is going to go as a kickback to the vice president of the United States. That is, as Donald Trump said at the time, one of the biggest scandals you've ever seen. But Leslie Stahl insisted, oh, there's no story. There. You want to talk about Well, because it can't be verified. You want to talk I'm about insignificant you. things. I'm telling you. Of course it can be verified. Excuse me, we, we they found the laptop. Leslie, Leslie. What can't be verified? The laptop. Why do you say that? Because even the family hasn't. The family on the laptop, he's gone into hiding. For five days, he's gone into hiding. He's preparing for your debate. Oh, it's taken him five days to prepare? I doubt it. I doubt it. Okay, All go right. ahead. And. It's not a coincidence that CBS decided, after they have finally verified what Leslie Stahl said was unverifiable. And, and by the way, a lot of people have asked Leslie Stahl yesterday and today if she has an apology for saying that it was not verifiable when her network verified it now and is reporting that it's verified, that it's Hunter Biden's laptop, and that he's providing kickbacks to his dad. you kidding me? And it's not a coincidence that CBS breaks the story, which others had broken two years ago, but they finally break it after the midterms. Because if they had run this story even a month ago, it might have affected the midterm elections. But everything that the major media does is designed as a protection racket for the Democrat Party. And everybody ridiculed Trump for what he was saying back then. Read his laptop, and you know who's a criminal? You're a criminal for not reporting it. You are a criminal for not reporting it. Let me tell you something. Joe Biden is a criminal, and he's been a criminal for a long time. And you're a criminal in the media for not reporting it. That is sounding more true than ever. All right, quick timeout. I'll have some more audio of this to play for you next hour, too. Uh, quick timeout, and then we're going to continue here on the Dory Monson Show. Hey, how about this for a little Tuesday bonus? Uh, Dave Wyman, he's off today, so he's not joining us. But uh, John Callen, who I haven't talked to in weeks now, he's going to make a rare Tuesday afternoon appearance. That'll be right after the top of the hour news in the big lead at two. You got that and lots more to look forward to as the Dory Monson Show rolls on. Hey, how about that World Cup? United States uh, and Wales. Are you into it? Are you into soccer? No. Yeah, I can't get into it. No. Uh, it was very annoying before you came aboard, Nicole. Uh, your predecessor, Jake, he, uh, he always insisted on having World Cup games on the TV in the studio when uh, we were doing the show. And it was very, very
very annoying to me. <laughs> but, I'm not uh, annoyed by it. I just can't get into it. Yeah. But uh, how does a country like the United States, we can't beat whales? Whales don't even have legs. How do they play soccer? <laughs> that was a dad joke. But, uh, um, here's the president of FIFA. If you want to get fired up for this World Cup, the president of FIFA, Gianni Infantino, telling you how everybody is represented by the World Cup. Today I feel uh, Qatari. Today I feel Arab. Today I feel African. Today I feel uh, gay. Today I feel disabled. Today I feel uh, a migrant worker. I have uh, very strong feelings. I can tell you that. As somebody said, that sounds exactly like something Michael Scott would have prepared to say there. Okay, so he feels, today, this dude feels Qatari, uh, Arab, African, gay, disabled, and migrant worker-ish. Man, way to get the world together, wrap your arms around. I'll tell you what got me a little fired up, though, in all seriousness. A guy who's on the uh, Welsh television broadcast. So this is, uh, his name is Michael Sheen. And he's on the set with three other commentators. And uh, is in, and I'm not sure if this was right before or right after. Because there was a huge upset for Wales to tie the United States of America. But if this doesn't, I actually feel Welsh. After listening to this guy, or I want to be Welsh after listening to this guy. It's kind of long, but it's pretty cool. Amarohid, Amarohid. I hear the voices singing. Speed your journey, boys, boys, bah. One nation singing with one voice. A song of hope, a song of courage, a victory song that floats through the valleys like a red mist, rolls over the mountaintops like crimson thunder. A red storm is coming to the gates of Qatar. It crackles with the spirit of 58 and Jimmy Murphy's boys. It turns the pages of the history books and finds Rob's page waiting still to be written. What would you write in there, boys? Dare you write your names? On that page, we haven't waited 64 years and come halfway around the world to be troubled by a neighbor from back home. When the English come knocking on our door, let's give them some sugar, boys. Let's give them some Welsh sugar. They've always said we're too small, we're too slow, we're too weak, too full of fear. But Amarohi! You sons of speed, as they fall around us, we are still here! To the world! Man, who doesn't want to be Welsh? 
after listening to that. My favorite part of it, among, I mean, it's great, the whole thing. But everybody wonders, how do you say it? The host country, is it Qatar? Is it Qatar? I'm going to try to say it like Michael Sheen says. A red mist rolls over the mountaintops like crimson thunder. A red storm is coming to the gates of Qatar. Qatar. That's how I'm going to say it from now on. The gates of Qatar. <laughs> I don't think you'll uh, ever say it as cool as he does. No, no nobody will. Especially okay, not uh, right now. <laughs> we'll check the news for you. John Curley's going to join us, and we have a lot more news to get to as the Dory Monson Show rolls on.